Hello, podcaster. It's Charlie here from the Business of Podcasting. And in today's episode, I am going to be giving you a walkthrough of my new and upgraded podcast studio. Yes, we're going to be doing a deep dive on the equipment that I have put into my new studio. Now, this is a topic I've really tried to keep off the podcast. I feel there's a lot of podcasts out there that talk a lot about the gear and the equipment, and I really thought they were doing a fantastic job and wanted to leave that to them so we could really focus on the business side of podcasting. However, in recent times, I've made some huge upgrades to this studio, and a lot of people have been asking me, what equipment are you using it? And more importantly, why are you using it? So in this episode, I'm going to talk you through why I'm making some big upgrades to my studio, both in audio and video. I'm going to talk through the requirements I had because there's such a big range of things you can look at these days. And I'm going to tell you some things that were important to me in making my selections. Then I'm going to walk you through what I actually bought. So we'll go through my gear list and how it all kind of works together. And then lastly, we'll probably talk about some software you need to make all of this stuff work really, really well together. Now, if you haven't already, please make sure you do like and subscribe to the show anywhere you're looking right now. We really do appreciate this message getting out there and helping other podcasters. And also, please head over to Velomedia slash resources. We'll put a link in the description below because we're going to be making a big update with all this new stuff to our equipment guide. So if you want to get a full list of everything I mentioned in this video, as well as my recommendations on equipment at every level of budget, whether you're a beginner, intermediate, or going for the full advanced setup, then you can head over there and get that stuff as well. Now, without any further ado, let's head into this episode and start talking about studio equipment and making a really awesome podcast setup. So I wanted to start this episode off with talking about the why. Why would I upgrade? Why would I upgrade from a perfectly good podcast studio? The studio I had before I started putting in these upgrades was awesome. Why would I put more in and really try and push it to that next level? And for me, it comes back to this idea. And I, I love this quote by Wayne Gretzky, who is arguably the most successful ice hockey player ever. He talks about what made him so successful in ice hockey was his ability to skate to where the puck is going, not to where it had already been. And how that applies to podcasters is I very much feel that if you're going into podcasting now trying to do what was working a couple of years ago or perceivably what some of the most successful shows are still doing today, you're skating towards where the puck has been. And I'm not saying you can't be successful there, but you can definitely be more successful by getting on the wave of where the industry is going. Now, from my perspective and all the signs I see right now, I see a huge part of podcasting being pushed towards video. The consumption of video podcasts is going through the roof. And I think if you're a show that really wants to push ahead, there's a big opportunity here, one that I'm looking to take advantage of myself. Now, this doesn't mean you can't have a successful show that's just audio, but there's certainly an opportunity to reach people differently by going down the path of video. So when I looked at this, I realized I needed to take my video and audio setup much, much more seriously and really get in front of where this industry is heading. 
The other side of it is social media is my most successful platform for marketing my podcast. I absolutely see that the social channels push the most traffic into my business and those social channels want high quality video. They do not want audio waves. They want that video stuff. Rather than putting effort into creating separate videos, which I may do also, one of the things I really wanted to do was be able to leverage my podcast content into a stronger omnipresence, which means if I record a podcast like I am right now, having that ability to post it onto social media, create short video clips, and just do more of that at a high quality was also important to me. Lastly, when I thought about this, this is the big one, is that the cost of equipment and what the technology do can do, sorry, has entered this new sphere. So what we're looking at right now is the setup I have in this room. If you tried to create something like that a few years ago, you would be looking at 20 to 30 grand at a basic level and it wouldn't be this quality. Right now for under five grand, you can create something that is at studio level that you can manage yourself. So that was just absolutely nuts when I started to look at how cheap video equipment and streaming equipment and cameras has become. So the opportunity to do this cheaply and really improve quality had made a huge imprint as me. The bang for buck or the value creation option here without spending crazy amounts of money has really opened my eyes as well. So, so many things. And of course, recognizing there's some very, very successful video podcasts emerging that I want to jump on as well. So that really opens up the why I've gone into making these updates. It's all about going to where the future of podcasting is, in my opinion. Let's talk about my requirements for equipment. And I feel like this is the starting point before you even look at any equipment. There's so many options and so much amazing technology here, but certain pieces of equipment meet different requirements. And when you look at it, you might have a camera in front of you. And depending on the need you have for that camera, it can be completely different if it's a good purchase or a bad purchase for you. And this is something I really noticed. As I started going down the rabbit hole of like what you can buy, I became completely overwhelmed with all the options. I was very fortunate. I have a dear friend, Dan Lenny, who I'll give a shout out to, who guided me on this in understanding what is right for me. But I also wanted to pass on what I think is very important for podcasters to understand in general. So number one, the thing that was important to me is I wanted the ability with all my equipment that I would be able to shoot both online interviews in Zoom. So if it was just me and someone was on a video call live, I would be able to execute that really well. But also if I wanted to have multiple people in the room with me, I could also do that. So having flexibility to do online and in-person interviews or online and in-person episodes of podcasts, really important to me. That was a non-negotiable. The second thing that was really important to me is that I wanted to be able to operate all the equipment myself. I didn't want to need an operator to come into the room and set up things and film me because it just took away all the flexibility of recording. So for me, I'm someone that likes a bit of flexibility when I record. Some days I wake up and I'm just like, wow, I am not good at making content today. I'll come back to it tomorrow. And having that ability to work when I'm in the zone or work when I want to, supremely important to me as well. Next thing, I want it to be ready for 4K. I think that 4K, which is a video quality, is coming and having the ability to do 4K videos and really be at the premium level of quality was important to me also. So massively important there. Next thing is that everything was powered by the wall. I didn't want to be dealing with any batteries. Now, I know this might sound funny, but I had some incidents in previous equipment where I'd had like lights run out of power 
midway through and had to charge things and do edits and it just went terribly. So everything in my setup is wall powered. We're all plugged in set up and we can record for an unlimited amount of time. If I, I just don't want that worry or concern that anything's going to be going that way. Lastly, um, or maybe not lastly, but just what was important to me as well is that everything's actually powered over USB-C or not powered, so running over USB-C into my uh, computer. And again, that was just to make sure we're future-proofing anything that comes into this studio itself. One thing I will mention, this is probably more on cameras, but a lot of uh, equipment uses like USB 2 or prior, which it's called, which is a very low bandwidth. And if you are making uh, podcasts with heavy video and high quality audio, USB 3 is what I think is going to become more and more important for the future of this as well. And this is really another good point to mention at this part from here is that I really wanted to create a setup that was future-proofed. I didn't want to be buying things where I was going to have to be updating, you know, a few months from now. And ideally, I want to be getting years out of my equipment and not just like weeks or months before oh, that next thing's come out that I've got to buy. So we went for quality here. We really, really did. So these are all the things that were really running through my mind. And honestly... If you're a podcaster, these are the questions you've got to be looking at yourself. And that whole, is it just for online? Are you doing in-room? All of these things play a massive role in what is the right and what is the not right, the equipment for you. So this is the requirements part from here. We'll dig into the actual list of what I bought next and I'll, I'll run through some important features of each also. So let's talk audio. And I'll start this off by saying that your audience will put up with poor quality video. But if you have poor quality audio that people can't understand, it will drive them nuts. And what's interesting is in doing my research on YouTube and studying YouTube channels, they say the same thing, that even in a video medium that is purely based on video, their audience will not put up with poor quality audio. So if you're going to invest anywhere in your setup or you want to see where you can kind of pull some budget or skim a little bit, audio is not the place. You really want to have a high quality audio setup. So I'm going to run through what I've got and then just talk through some of the things that I really enjoy about it as well. So number one is I use Rode microphones and the Rode uh, Caster Pro. So just to break that down, uh, if you're looking at the video, the microphone I'm speaking into right now is a Rode pod mic. They're about $150 in Australia or about $99 US overseas. I think they're fantastic. One of the things I really love about these microphones is the flexibility in the head itself. So you've got a lot of adjustments so you can get that microphone in a really good position to speak into. Um, so it'll adjust in a whole bunch of ways. And if you can see the video, that'll make sense to you. If not, worth having a look at as well. The next thing is it looks really good on video. So if you are doing a video show, then aesthetics and what your setup looks like matters a lot. So being I'm in podcasting, having a good looking podcasting setup was very important to me. Road make this fantastic stuff. They, in my opinion, are the best value for podcasters in the market by far. So if you're going on a route, I would definitely consider that. Now, next to that is our audio interface. So not to make this too tech focused for a lot of people, but between my microphone and my computer, I have to have a device called an audio interface, a USB audio interface that turns the analog single signal of my microphone into a digital signal so it can be picked up in my recording software. And the Rodecaster Pro does that in a really good way, but it also does a lot of other things. So again, some things I really like, can have up to four microphones in it. So for that in-person setup, it definitely ticks all the boxes there. Uh, next thing is it has these phenomenal preamps in it. So the actual audio interface makes my voice sound a lot better 
than it does without it. And I think if you're looking to push some extra quality out of your microphone, it's a really good option as well. So the Rodecaster Pro just ticks a lot of boxes from there as well. Now, something that I don't feel gets spoken enough about is that the best microphone in the wrong position will sound terrible. And I'm going to do an example right now. I'm using this pod mic, which works really well when it's about a fist away. So about the size of my hand away from my mouth. But if I step back a little bit and I'm about 30 centimeters away, this mic sounds terrible. So one of the things that I think makes a huge difference in getting good audio quality out of your equipment is having a good boom arm or a good stand. So I use the blue uh, boom arm. Yes, this is the same company that makes the blue Yeti, but I think they do a fantastic uh, boom arm that is just so sturdy and has great ways to run the cables through it, which is why I got it. Now it was quite expensive. It was about $250, but I really like uh, the sturdiness and the aesthetics in video. I'm a really big fan of as well. And just while we're on that, the Rodecaster Pro, I left the price out of that. That was about $750 in Australia. I picked that one up for, of course, please look on Amazon and eBay in your local range. But again, why I selected that unit. So all in all, if you want to wrap up my audio quality or my audio setup here, I've spent probably just over a thousand dollars on the audio setup. Actually, we'll round it up to $1,500 because there's headphones in this as well. Um, so $1,500 covers the headphones as well. Headphones, I've gone with the Sennheiser HD 200s, I believe they are. Why I like these ones is they're really light. So I can wear them all day, very, very comfortable all over my ears. Again, I really like recording with headphones on just to get a better quality of audio as well. So some people, when they record their podcast, they have the guest coming through their speakers, which then gets picked up in their microphone. So to isolate just my audio and having it sound really strong, I love the idea of wearing headphones when I record as well. And that's a little tip. There's two things you can do to dramatically improve your audio with your equipment you may already have is going one, get the mic in a better position for speaking into. And then two is wear headphones so you can isolate your own recording itself. That is my audio setup. That's why I made those decisions. I'm very happy with the decisions I've made. And honestly, I could really recommend the road stuff all in all. I think they make an amazing line of equipment. Now it's time to talk video. And this is where I've spent the most money in recent times and invested more heavily in the studio itself. So I'll go through a couple of things here that I think are worth talking about on this topic. What I used to use was a Logitech uh, Brio webcam. And from the webcam family, like if you're just looking for something you can just plug in and use it's about the best you can do in a webcam. I will say you definitely need some software to manage the exposure and do some things to handle light, but overall it did the job. And I recorded a lot of podcast interviews on that as well as a lot of just video content on that. And I was very, very happy with it. In more recent times though, as I've mentioned, is the ability and technology available to us to use proper DSLR cameras or mirrorless cameras, as well as lenses has just changed the game in my opinion. So there's two things I've recently bought that I think are just fantastic. I'm really enjoying using them so far. And number one, the camera I'm using is the Sony A6400. The reason I picked this uh, camera was recommended to me, I should say by Dan, and I agree with number one, it has a little flip screen. So when I've actually got the camera facing me, the screen flips up and I can actually uh, set my shot or see myself as I'm recording. Now, why this is so awesome is because it's much easier to manage when you're at a desk and you don't have anyone manning the other side of the camera. So it's made it much easier to use on my own. Number two, 
unlimited record time. This is something I wasn't even aware I had to be aware of. And while I mention it is a lot of cameras have an auto shut off, which means if you leave them running for a long time, they just have a record limit and it'll turn off 30 minutes in. Now, if you're making podcasts, you really need something that can go the distance. You need something that will be able to record for hours if need be. And again, I didn't want to worry about that at all. <laughs> I want to be able to go without thinking about batteries. So important to me. And then lastly is this is something that could be powered as well by an external device. So coming back to that unlimited record time, it's great that something can record forever, but you need the power to support that. And this camera's just done the job on multiple levels. I'm very very, very happy with it in itself. What has gone with it to make it possible though? So much like audio, how you've got the microphone and then you've got the audio interface, we now have the camera and we have a video interface that feeds into my MacBook as well. And the audio interface I've gone with, I think it's called a video switcher technically, is the Blackmagic Atom Mini Pro. And to give it context, I take the clean HDMI out of my camera here, I plug it straight into my Atom Mini Pro, and then what happens is it actually picks up as like a webcam on my computer. Now, some things I'll mention quickly on video is I'm not a video guy. I don't understand exposures and ISOs and there's F this and frame rates and rolling shutters. I'm very new to this stuff and I won't pretend to be a pro. One of the reasons I love this setup is this Sony camera has a really good way to basically automate a lot of that. It's very good at self-selecting what a good shot is and why I went with it. If you have some more advanced experience and knowledge in cameras, you may go for something else, but for like easy to use, I have to give this thing massive points. And then on the other side with the Blackmagic Atom Mini Pro, I did have to go through some YouTube tutorials to learn how to work this thing a little bit because there's a lot of features. But overall, once I had the plugs in the right place and the software installed, Everything just picks up like a webcam. So if I go into Zoom and I'm recording in Zoom, I just select my camera in there. Or if I'm going into QuickTime, or even as I'm making this right now, I'm actually recording on Loom. It's got it feeding into that and it's working really, really well. So that was some things that really made the difference for me. Another thing I'll mention at this point is that you have to imagine right now into my MacBook Pro, one of the big challenges a lot of people face with video is like, how do I get my high quality audio from my Rodecaster Pro into my camera and my, and how do I work all that out? So this is one of the reasons why I bought the Blackmagic Atom Mini Pro. It's actually taking the audio from my road, like all my road setup, this good microphone, and I'm feeding that into the Blackmagic Atom Mini Pro. I'm feeding my camera into the Blackmagic Atom Mini Pro, and then they're combining and creating a single source for my computer to work with. And again, I'm really happy with how it's actually performing. I know there are some other options out there to do this as well, but overwhelmingly, I think Blackmagic have nailed this, and particularly in combination with uh, Sony as well. Now, let's talk pricing here and go through it again, because I know this is something from there. The camera was about $1,500 in Australia uh, for the Sony A6400 with the kit lens. I think that's a very reasonable starting point. Overseas, I have noticed if you live in the States, you can pick these things up for under $1,000 US. I get that uh, glorious Australian tax of uh, cost of getting goods here. Blackmagic Atom Mini Pro, that was also a thousand bucks. So a little bit more money spent here, but I wanted to future-proof uh, my setup. Another thing I will mention here is that the Blackmagic Atom Mini Pro can also take multiple cameras. So we are planning and is coming down the way as well as we'll actually have multiple angles set up and be able to record a multi-camera setup for guest interviews in the room also, which was just another really important thing 
uh, that was set for me is I wanted to be able to bring in multiple people into this room and record some content that's coming soon. Just to say there's more to be revealed here. On the video front, though, I will mention one more thing. With this setup, something that was really important to me is I wanted the ability to not just make podcast content, but make video content as well. So if I ever wanted to record little video teasers for my podcasts or make some behind-the-scenes footage, I would have that ability as well. And again, flawlessly working for me so far, and I'm really enjoying it. And if you are watching the video right now and you compare it to any of our previous videos, you'll see there's a significant improvement in the uh, video quality that's coming through also. So that's it for the video component. The next thing I wanted to talk through in this room is recording software. So everything I use feeds into my MacBook Pro and then the software on my MacBook Pro is actually what captures the recording. I didn't want to have to deal with moving around memory cards or using SD cards here or trying to sync things up. So I'll talk through how I've been doing it and hopefully you can uh, emulate and copy if you like as well. So to make actual podcast interviews for recording the video, I use Zoom. I think Zoom is fantastic for uh, capturing side-by-side -side recordings that you can then put into a nice-looking video. So for online interviews, Zoom is my go-to. For moments like this where it's just me face to camera, I actually really like using Loom. So Loom, uh, conveniently named Zoom and Loom, like how easy is that to remember? But what I really like about Loom is the ability to, it instantly uploads things for my team. So rather than uh, recording something and then having to upload it somewhere and put it in the Google Drive and label and organize, if I record a video like this, uh, Loom just gives me a link and give that straight to my team and then they're able to take care of it as well. One of the things I really like about Loom, though, is it just makes making videos so, so easy and so, so quick. So I'm a really big fan of that, and that's been my uh, two favorite softwares for capturing video. On the audio side of things, though, it's a little bit of a different story. So what I'm a really big fan of is something called multi-track. Um, and for those of you that don't know what that is, it kind of says it in the name. When I record a podcast interview, what I want is two separate audio files. If it's two people, it will be three separate if it's three people. Um, but what I want is my own audio recorded locally in high quality. And then I also want the guest audio recorded on its own. Now, the reason we want this and the reason podcasters should go for this is that if you have separate audio files, it actually creates the ability to adjust um, your guest audio. So something I know a lot of podcasters complain about and uh, don't know workarounds for is let's say you have a guest who's on your podcast and their mic's a bit quiet. If you've got separate audio files, you can just adjust their audio file and turn up the volume or maybe put a filter on if they've got a bit of a boomy room and you want to reduce their echo. There's a lot of things that can be done in editing to make your guest audio sound a lot better, and I think it's a huge thing. The other side of it is I'll always ask a guest to record locally if they can. Definitely makes it sound better as well. But a little tip, I would say if you can record separate audio files for you and your guest, it just opens up a world of opportunity from an editing point of view to improve the quality of your audio files as well. Now, the software I use to record is called Reaper. Now, Reaper is about, I think it was about 200 bucks I paid for a license, but what it does is it takes the audio straight from my Rodecaster Pro and straight from Zoom, and then when I finish my interview and I hit export, it gives me two files, one of the guest and then one of myself, and then I give that to my team to edit. 
big fan of Reaper. It was suggested to me in a YouTube video that I randomly found, but I've been a really big fan of that in itself. So that's what I use to record my actual stuff, and it, it's just been a win all round for me. And even if I was to record in the room, I would still use Reaper for audio, and then I would probably use loom for recording a podcast in the room itself or zoom itself so that would be the software setup i would go through and recommend at this point though we are looking into some other options as well but they're my favorites at the time of recording this episode so lastly in here something i think gets thought about a lot but often not much attention put into is the room itself so i'm very fortunate i have a podcasting studio which is a room dedicated to podcasting which we've got really good insulation in so we can block out a lot of noise there's also as you can see in the video some sound paneling and things in here to absorb sound so we very much designed this room for podcasting and what i wanted to do here is just talk into some things that uh, matter a lot with your studio and then some things i've bought and recommend that i think matter in recent times as well so number one I'm going to talk about sound paneling. In a lot of podcasters' studios, we see like eggshell foam or grey foam on the walls. I originally had that and it wasn't very good for absorbing sound. I, I really didn't dig how much space it took up and I also felt that it didn't do a great job in this room of absorbing sound in a way I wanted. I did some research and I've actually gone with fiberglass panels covered in fabric. Now, if you can see my video at the moment, there are these giant black panels on the walls. They are actually my sound absorption panels and they're about a meter long by about half a meter wide and I've hung them up in the room in spots. I want to really reduce that wall bounce and I'm incredibly happy with them. So don't just fall into the bias of thinking that gray foam is the way to go. I think there's some great options in fiberglass panels. The other side of it is that in a room itself, if you can get carpet or carpet squares on the floor, I'd highly recommend it. The room I'm in previously had uh, polished concrete and it was bouncing madly. It was, it was causing like I couldn't have a conversation in this room. So one of the things we did is we ordered a whole heap of thick uh, carpet squares and we laid them on the floor and that made a huge difference as well. So don't forget the flooring. Now, if you're in a really big room with a lot of echo, you might have to go to extremes of taking care of some things on your roof as well. But one of the things here in audio is just to really recommend, I'm a big fan of the fiberglass panels. I think they do such a better job than just the foam tiles you will see commonly used. The next thing is I'm going to talk a little bit about lighting here. So currently, one of the reasons we're redoing this room is we've always been fighting this big window. There's a window that is in front of me now that used to be to my side and would light one side of my face. So we've spun the whole room so that window can be front on and just doing a much better job at lighting up the front of my face. So when you can work to the lighting in your room, I think it makes a really big difference. With that, though, we do use lights in this room. So I've actually got some LED panels put up in front of me. These are no-name brands that I bought uh, on eBay. Actually, I think they are newer lights. And I've got two of them on lightly up to the left and right of me at like a two, 10 and 2 o'clock position. Now, all in all, why I like these lights so much is you can control the brightness and the color of them very, very easily. And then overall from an investment, I think we spent about $500 on the lights in this room entirely, which was uh, making a huge difference to the quality of the video. Lighting and soundproofing. 
I will say just make such a difference to how good it, uh, your raw files will be. So again, it's like if I didn't have the lighting right or the soundproofing, even with the best cameras and the best microphones, it would be doing a very good job. And just while I'm on that topic, the sound panels were really cheap. They're about $200 on eBay. I was quite happy to find them so cheaply. So lighting about $500 we spent on newer LED panels, the bicolor color ones, and then the wall panels we've got in here or the sound panels, which are fiberglass covered fabric, or about 250 bucks we spent entirely there. These are both easily found on eBay and Amazon and will ship worldly, so you'll have no trouble getting these wherever you are in the world itself. So this is the end of talking about room and working to your room setup. Again, just some little things that can make a huge difference when it comes to your podcast. Now, before I wrap this one up here, one thing I will say is if you want the full list of things I've referenced in this video, we have an equipment recommended guide on our website, which we're updated or have updated and put all the things that I've mentioned in this video in as well. Make sure you do get a copy of that. It's on valamedia.com slash resources. I'm going to wrap this one up here and hope it's been an insight into equipment selections and why you might go certain options and what it costs from there. So thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Certainly some big things to think about here in upgrading your own podcast studio. 